This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hello and welcome to Meet the Founder, a new series within But Why podcast. My name is Clemmie Telford and before I began out on social media, my career was in advertising as an agency creative director and later as a creative strategist at Facebook and Instagram. I have a fascination with brands, how and why they exist and the stories of the people behind them. Meet the Founder is my opportunity to marry my love of honest conversations about tricky subjects with my curiosity about brands. It's business chat, but a bit nosier. Big mistakes. I think, gosh, we've made lots of mistakes, but actually every mistake has been the biggest lesson. Today, I'm talking to Georgie Cleave from Oskia. Oskia is a nutraceutical brand founded after a personal journey with a food supplement, MSM, that specializes in biocellular skin nutrition, winner of 170 international awards, including Best British Brand and Best Global Natural Brand. That's a hell of a lot of words in one go. I'm going to get you to explain it a bit better. So give me the elevator pitch for the brand and why and how it exists. I hope it's a tall building because it's it's quite a long story. I'll be trying to be quite concise. Yeah, we are a nutritional skincare brand and we specialize in making nutrients bioavailable and it's all to do with skin health. But it goes, the whole idea of the brand actually went all the way back to when I was a teenager. So I'm nearly, sort of, I'm 47. And when I was a teenager, we skied a lot as a family. My mum was in the British Olympic ski team. She's awesome. She's absolutely amazing. And we skied a lot, which is amazing. But I completely damaged the knee cartilage. My knee cartilage had numerous operations, had five operations. And after the last one, so this was about sort of 17 years old, they said you could never ski again. You never, you'll never run, which I, I hate running, to be honest. I didn't mind about that at all, but skiing, I was a bit obsessed about and my dad turned around and said, look, why don't you try our horse supplement? And my dad had one of Europe's first nutritional supplement businesses for horses, for the equine market. And he introduced a supplement called MSM into the market about 40 years ago. And it was purely designed to regenerate mobility in racehorses' joints. And he said, look, you've seen the effects on, on all of the horses. There's no placebo effect with animals. And that's really key. Something either works or it doesn't work. And he said, look, why don't you give it a go? Bit of an argument. Didn't want to be this human guinea pig, but cut an even longer story short, I did take the MSM. MSM is the most bioavailable form of sulfur. It's brilliant in all, lots and lots of different parts of the body. It's 140 different processes, including keratin, collagen production, really key. Lots of other things as well, um, but it completely cleared my knees. I mean, I was ski instructor. I did triathlons, marathons. I had no pain or swelling in my knees at all, which was amazing. And I had walking sticks. I couldn't wear jeans. My knees were so swollen. And it was absolutely brilliant. I thought, this is fantastic. Side effect, not didn't expect, was that my skin changed condition. And I had typical teenage skin. I also had polycystic ovaries. I had eczema. I had really sort of acne-prone skin. I had just really, really bad skin condition. And it totally transformed. And I remember turning around to my dad and said, 
thanks for these, that's great, but look at my skin. You know, I am I actually glowing, I look healthy, it's brilliant. And the effect of that on my confidence, because I was very shy, was brilliant. I mean, it was absolutely life transforming. But I was really young. Fast forward 20 years, I was a food journalist, still fixated with the effect of MSM, which had still never been used in skincare. Still fixated, I became fixated on the effect of nutrients on skin health. So MSM, sulfur, um, but I wanted to know basically what all the other different nutrients did. And eventually, um, in about 2006, put together a team of doctors, nutritionists, and cosmetic scientists, looked at all the nutrients your skin has to have to function properly, and yeah, started Oskia. And, and we launched in 2009. And actually, I've just found out yesterday we won our 201st and one award for our formulas. So very, very proud of, it, of that. Congratulations. So it is a bit of a long story. No, it's not. I'm, I'm, it's just it's a bit different. Yeah, it's one of the, it's truly one of those freaky stories that, well, no, because your dad had the history in it, but you were looking for one thing and got the other thing. And then it ended up being your journey. I think our industry now is saturated. You know, every day a new brand launches and it's very difficult. I mean, I never woke up and said, you know what, I'm going to, you know, I want to go make some money in the beauty industry. That is not it. And I think we came from the background of, I know I can help people's skin. I have got something that genuinely, genuinely, I've seen it and with animals, genuinely has this phenomenal effect. And that effect has this brilliant effect on your confidence. If I can do that, why would I not, why would I not do that? You know, it is just, it's a brilliant, brilliant feeling to have. And having that sort of excitement that you know you are helping people's skin is, is fantastic. And yes, we've made a business of it, which is brilliant, but it's that core ethos of trying to help people have better skin and better confidence. It must be a terrible pressure though. I was watching um, your videos with the fantastic Caroline Hirons and reading through the comments and everyone's like, oh, her skin is truly amazing. I'm saying here, your skin is truly amazing, but it must be very difficult to constantly be the walking advert for your product as well. Well, it, the difficult thing, because I never came from it from a vanity side and I'm not, you know, I rarely wear makeup. You know, I can't be bothered sometimes to brush my hair. You know, I have a very, I love, I'm fixated by formulas, but I don't have a massive long routine. I don't think people need a long routine. And I think it's a very different side. This is the vanity side of the beauty industry compared to the skin health side of the beauty industry. Because if you've got healthy skin, you're going to look better. You know, you're going to age less, you know, you're going to look healthier, less tired, etc. So I think it's, it's, it's a very split, can be a very split industry with two different goals, if that makes sense. So yeah, I don't like being a walking advert for the brand. <laughs> you know, it's not like wearing some clothes. No, but it's also, you're right, beauty industry is such a um, capsule term. And again, I've recently, for some reason, gone down a rabbit hole of watching contouring videos. I don't know why, I was just, I was doing my makeup the other day and just realized I literally don't know, I've been doing my makeup the same for- Same, <laughs> since the 80s. It's very, I, I realized it's very basic, very, very basic. And I'm not gonna suddenly start doing contouring, but it, you know, the, that version of the beauty industry isn't about doing what is best for your skin. It's about no. achieving an aesthetic, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I think they are very, very different things. Very different things. And do you think that when your skin is well, is that a reflection on on a more general kind of health as well? Definitely. I think, so, so I'm teaching my children at the moment, particularly my eldest, who's 12, how to look after your skin. And I think the link between looking after yourself, self-care, your mental 
happiness is it's all combined it's so important and i think you know what you know learning how to look after your skin should be like learning how to brush your teeth i don't think it should be separated i don't think it should be sort of put into a cupboard you know he's washing his face you know it's just a normal thing to do and so important and also the other thing which i think about um, skincare products i think that the enjoyment they bring you so if you know you're very busy we're both very busy mummies workers whatever that, you know, actually, if you've got that 10 minutes in the evening and that 10 minutes in the morning, that is just yourself and you are loving doing what you're doing. You're lo- you're really enjoying cleaning your face. It's really therapeutic. So I think that sort of self-care moment as well is really important. I think you're so right. Of all the things that it's, it's something that n- never gets taken away from you, does it? That literal five, 10 minutes standing at the sink, washing your face. It's so fascinating, isn't it, about the... Um, the idea of that skincare being on a par with your teeth because I really don't remember being taught that. I definitely don't remember being taught, taught that. And I we've just launched a new anti sort of acne range for blemish prone skin. And I was teaching my 12 year old how to wash his face. So I gave him some and I presumed he knew. Yeah. I absolutely presumed I knew. And he put this little bit of cream on his finger and started sort of tapping his forehead. It's like, you really don't, you really don't have a clue. So what, how do you wife. wash your face then? Do you want to give us the <laughs> give us the quick explanation? I'm wondering whether I know now. Well, no, I, I mean, because he, you know, floppy hair, uh, you know, lots of sport. You know, I just try to explain where on the face you sweat more, where you need to concentrate cleansing. So, you know, around your hairline, which is always forgotten. And I think boys always forget that too, if they've got, you know, long floppy hair around the nose, chin. And also to massage. You want to massage every single little section of your face because that releases tension, so yeah, just little sort of tips like that. I mean, he literally, it did actually make me laugh when he first tried to do it, which is not a very supportive mother. <laughs> do you think you managed to get him on, on track to do No, that? I have definitely. He's now, he's now, absolutely loves it. It's part of his evening routine. He was, and I've now got to go and do my face mummy. <laughs> oh, that's gorgeous, isn't it? It's very sweet. It's funny you say about him not knowing. Recently we had a thing where I was like to my kids, why don't you put your knife and fork together at the end of the meal? And they all looked at me blankly and like, oh, because I've never told oh. you. <laughs> I'm your parent. I'm your parent. I've massively, massively dropped the ball on that. So let's talk about the kind of overall business. What have been your like biggest sacrifices to get to where you are? I suppose it's because I work with my husband and we have our factory down in Wales, head office in London. And actually we only moved, we sort of, we lived in London before and we'd do the trip back to Wales once a week and now we do it the other way around. And because we run the business together, actually, we've now found that it's better when we're both up to London together. We used to split it, which means the children, you know, they have, you know, two days with my parents. So I I think the the sacrifice is not seeing them as much as I would like to. How have you talked to them about that? I'm always interested with myself about how I try and talk about, yeah, work with my children. I'm I'm up in London today. I don't live here and I won't see them tonight. And I'm very, you know, clear I'm working. But it's, it's difficult, isn't it? It's really difficult. and But I think, I think particularly for my daughter, actually, my mother probably gives me more chip than my children because she's from a generation she was the most, is still the most phenomenal mother. I mean, she is absolutely amazing, amazing grandmother. But you know, she's 100% dedicated her entire life is me and my sister and our children. That is her focus. So I think she feels I should be spending more time with them, less time with work. But, you know, it, the world's completely changed, thankfully. And the ch- the children get that, you know, all their friends, parents all work. I mean, they're always going to miss you, aren't they? Mm. So 
you just got to do as best as you can. Yeah, you think you say, "Oh, they're going to miss me," and then you walk in, you're like, "Guys, hi!" Yeah, exactly. Hi. Anyone want to look up from their screens? Hello. <laughs> got anything to tell me from the last forty eight hours? Nothing. Good. Nothing. Yeah, yeah I've literally nothing. counted down to coming to see you, but it's true. And I often try and talk to them about the bigger picture of trying to enable the life that we we want to live and again like you in the way I've structured my life is that I get a lot a lot more freedom when I'm not working we've got I feel like we have more quality family time now definitely and I keep saying if I had a traditional job I can work for wherever I want to mm. you know you wouldn't see me you certainly probably wouldn't see George my husband as much yeah it's a constant navigation of the mum guilt that I think is very difficult to move on from but as long as you've got your reasons why and I always know there are phases when work takes more of me than I'd be happy with. And then I try and eke it back the other way. But I, do, I don't feel guilty. I don't feel guilty because I know it gives them a really good, hopefully, touch wood, a really good working ethos when, when they get older because they've seen us do it. Um, so we've talked about sacrifices. What about big mistakes? What are the things that have felt like, yeah, big learnings along the way? Big mistakes. I think... Gosh, we've made lots of mistakes, but actually every mistake has been the biggest lesson. Every time we make a mistake, it's right, okay, bollocks, but brilliant. We now know that doesn't work and you move on. So I think actually what have been the biggest mistakes have turned out to be the best bits of advice or the best learning curve, definitely. How soon in advance did you know that there were mistakes? I know that's a very vague question. I sometimes think my, my biggest regrets are when... I've ignored my instinct on stuff. See, instinct, so that's actually, we've had a long, and we've been having around for, I've been in the industry about 20 years, but probably about 13 years. We've had a lot of advisors along the way. And actually we've had, I remember sitting down with one set of advisors and it was a couple and they both gave opposite advice. And we are like, well, this is really helpful. And actually we worked out that if all our best instincts were always right, even if they looked completely bonkers or they weren't the most effective, but the, our instincts is definitely, 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 definitely. And then you've only got yourself to blame, which is also quite good. Yeah, and then, then it can be a learning. Whereas if you've gone against your instincts, then that's where you get to regret, I think. Well, then you're cross with yourself because you didn't listen to yourself. And I'm not saying we you know, we've made loads of mistakes. We're wrong many, many times. Yeah, I think gut instinct, there's, there's something evolutionary correct about that. Yeah, and often in business you hear people say, oh, what's the why? But sometimes the why is just because you suspect that's the right thing. Has there ever been moments where it's felt catastrophic or where it's felt like things have really taken a turn that was insurmountable? Not really. I think because we, we're very lucky. The way we built the business, which now, I mean, would I do it again this way? Probably, I wouldn't probably do it again this way because I now know, you know, I know the industry. So when we first launched Oskia, we, we've, we've never raised a penny, not a penny. So we've had no one ever to answer to. We've had no big budgets. We've had no other people's money to worry about, which I think would be a massive weight on our shoulders. We literally made our first products and sold them and use any profit that was there, which was pretty much nothing, into making new products. So we've never ever had massive big marketing budgets. And I think because of that, we have been so careful. We've never wasted money on big marketing activities. Um, and I know a lot of companies have, and I'm great friends with lots of other brand founders. I'm like, why did we do that? That was a complete waste of money, but we've never done that. That's interesting. And again, that's kind of through instinct or, or 
in the way that you feel is right and it's it's turned out but it's, I think it's just little by little. So, so there are no massive mistakes to make because we have been so gentle and done it so slowly. You know, it has taken us, you know, 12 years, 13 years. We've now won over 200 awards and we're in all the best spas, you know, which is fantastic. But it's, we've just done it the old fashioned grassroots way, which I think is, is a safer way to do it. It's it's so fascinating. As I've had these conversations, this is coming up again and again. I think we really live in a time of like aggressive growth culture or people coming on in whatever industry and rocketing up things. And in whatever career path, so often, in fact, I'm doing a renovation at the moment and um, having to have our kitchen refitted. But our, our carpenter was like, oh, I learned the old fashioned way. I was an apprentice for all these years. When I was in the creative industries, I did internships for many many years sometimes you've got to learn slowly definitely but I think also it means you the product's better because actually all you're doing it's it's that it's the actually there's so many amazing brands it's all about the product not about the shout it's the it's meant to be the other way around my dad said you can make anything it can be amazing but you can't sell everything you have to shout about it which we're not very good at doing but yeah I think if you do it the old-fashioned way, your product just has to be really, really good. Otherwise, it doesn't sell. I think you've actually hit the nail on the head. There's a lot of shouting about stuff and not necessarily expertise or experience underneath that anymore. It reassures me, though, that brands like yours can still become as hugely successful as they are. Yeah, I think the, there's so, it's, it's more difficult to get your to shout, I suppose, because you know, there's so much noise there. I think we were very lucky launching when we did 12 years ago. I think if you did it now our way, I don't think you'd be able to get noticed. I read something about yours is that you have always tried to bring something that isn't already on the market. So you've always tried to be like an innovator, which is a huge bar to set yourself. I just, I love it because I can't, there are, you know, there are thousands of products on the market and they're brilliant. There are hundreds of brands and they're all absolutely brilliant. But I I love the problem solving thing. You know, I love sitting in the lab with our head formulator Adam who's absolutely brilliant and it's it's problem solving you say right well I want to I want to use those ingredients but I know they don't sit well together how can we formulate something that actually we can use them or I want to reduce melanin you know melanin and there's lots of different chemical reactions that are involved in melanin production you know how can I focus on all the different chemical reactions it's sort of it's problem solving and I love it but that's what you know that's I feel that's what the customer pays us for is that knowledge that expertise that you know, that formulation rather than just buying a vitamin C serum. Because actually most people don't really know why they why they need vitamin C, but they will know if they've got pigmentation or, you know, or um, pollution. So we did, um, my most proud product is our anti-pollution concentrate, which took us a long, 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 long time to formulate. And it was held as the first ever clinically proven anti-pollution product on the market when we launched it about seven years ago. So I'm really proud of that because it was a first and it was, you know, targeting all the different pollutants. So... Pollution, everyone thinks pollution, you know, it's just free radicals. It's not, you know, there are, free radicals is a is a problem. You know, there are four different types of free ra- radicals, but there are a whole host of pollutants. So I wanted to know which exact pollutants actually damaged our skin. And then I look at which ingredients would then target each of those individual pollutants. So it's a, it's a real sort of problem solving method, I think, of formulating and I, lo- I just love that I mean I I really that's what sort of gets me up every morning 
Is your background in science? Not really, no. I mean, I did all sciences at school, but I never did it after after school. I was brought up surrounded by scientists. So because of our family um, nutritional supplement business, you know, I would sit down for dinner at age 10 with the world leader of gut health. And it was just, it was very normal. It was it's not normal. I mean, I was literally, you know, dad was, dad, my father was a farmer. But, you know, he, again, he had this problem solving thing of, Animals have these elements. So he has all these veterinary products as well. And it's all problem solving. It's all right. That is the end goal. I need to cure this. How am I going to get there? And it's fascinating. And then you invent new ingredients. And it's just, I'm just, I just, I'm absolutely passionate about it. Are you always the tester of your own products? Absolutely. Are definitely. You? Definitely. And actually, oh, Adam hates me because I will test every ingredient. I usually stick it in my eye, drink it just to check. <laughs> Do you really? And then I also test every ingredient in a neat you know, in a neat serum, just to see if it really does work. And if it doesn't do what it's meant to do, then it's sort of pushed to the side. But test everything. I test everything. So my skin gets a real pummeling. And then obviously all the products get, you know, properly clinically trialed anyway after. How long would you expect to, for it to be able to see a change in your skin after using a product? It entirely depends what it's for. So if it's hydration, I mean, that could be instant. If it's pigmentation, that's probably minimum of six, seven weeks. Because, you know, you've got your skin has a turnover, all the chemical reactions that happen within your skin cells. So nothing is overnight. Never, ever expect an overnight miracle. It doesn't, doesn't happen. Again, that feels very fitting and for what we're talking about, everyone wants quick fixes and truly for a, good, a skin routine to make any kind of shift, it, you've got to be committed to no, it. There's no quick fixes. I mean, I think the most important thing for any healthy skin from a really young age is protection. You know, literally protect, protect. I wish I knew this when I was younger. But that, you know, antioxidants and SPF, so important, so important. Yeah, we do look back at, um, well, I know myself, my youth of staring at the sun with oil. Baby oil. <laughs> it sounds so it's antiquated, awful. but we didn't know. No, but that's all we did. And I, I mean, I remember it's skiing. We never used SPF. I used, to, I used to come up with heat bumps where your whole face, this is, you know, age 15, your whole face would swell because, I mean, you've been out in the really strong UV light all day. Yeah, all you can do is whack, whack on the SPF. It's never too late. Do you think? Never, never too late. No. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com do you manage to convert some of the older generation yeah no definitely my, my mother's a great fan <laughs> i think the nice thing about our products is because they're you know obviously there are some for particular skin issues and complaints but we span age 12 all the way up to nine you know 100 which i think is very important yeah, well, it's for life, isn't it? That's skin, your skin is... And actually, that's something... Kevin said, you know, a £40 serum, you'd very happily spend, you know, £20 on a pizza. Very expensive pizza. But, you know, it is that, you know, it's it's something that is going to last you three months. You know, at the end of the day, it it's so important. It's so important. It's like brushing your teeth. I always justify for myself, you do wear your skin much like you wear your hair every single day. So, and... There's nothing quite as amazing, actually, as seeing someone with really 
especially an older person with really fantastic skin. I'm not talking about wrinkle-free. I'm talking about skin that looks really, really well. Happy, well, healthy, glowing. Yeah, and you look at your children's skin, or I do. I always look at my kids' skin and... Peachy, I know, squidgy. Perfection, isn't it? Everyone in their 20s and 30s make the most of that lovely peachy, squidgy skin. I just always remember like getting out of bed in the morning and just saying, oh yeah, I kind of look fine. And then I'm in my 40s now and I'm like, oh yeah, definitely need a little bit but of it, it suddenly hits. It's around 40, it suddenly, yeah. it suddenly hits. Like by 11 o'clock I'll look all right, but I just need to kind of thaw out a bit, have a shower, <laughs> put a lot of moisturiser on. Not loads of makeup. That's, again, it's, it's a very different thing, isn't it? It's not about looking made up, it's about looking well. So a bit of a change of tact. I'm always interested as businesses grow, how you will have made the transition to now being in charge of a lot of people and how like people management has been for you. Goodness. Um, so in the, in the early days, it was just, well, in the early days, it was just me for about three years. The R&D. Uh, then I managed to persuade my husband on our honeymoon. I'm terribly drunk and I said, I really think you should come and join the business. Um, he's a corporate lawyer, brilliant brain. And so he, he, we came home from our honeymoon with as business partners, which is brilliant. But at the beginning, it was just it was just the two of us. And we would have our first meeting in the bath in the morning. And it was just, there were no, I'm not very good at working to timeframes. You know, I'm very impatient. You know, I want something now, but I'm not very good at, you know, I like to launch it when I'm ready. You know, I don't want to have to, real you know organize the launch a year in advance is now what you have to do particularly with retailers you know I, I just like to sort of get it out when it's ready and it's fine and back in the day then that was fine but now when you've got all the staff and um yeah everything's much more regimented which doesn't really suit doesn't you. really suit me and I know I know everyone else would agree with me as well how what kind of time frames are you working on now how much in advance so we're, so I've got, I've got about four, no, I've got about six new products ready. And actually what I've done, I, I get them kissing no right, when are we going to launch this? I'm actually, I'm not going to set a date. I'm just not going to set it. I'm going to have everything perfect. And I might just sit on them for a bit and just, you know, but so yeah, so they will be next year, but I'm just at the moment, I'm just really not wanting to give a date on them. They're brilliant. But I just, so yeah, ideally would be announcing their launch a year in advance. And um, why aren't you ready to put them out in the world? I don't know. Instinct. I think I think no. I think it's just because I feel like at the moment it's my little secret, and which sounds really childish. But as soon as I announce them, then the whole then they're taken away from me. You know, then the ball is rolling, and which is fantastic. And it's kind of I lose not lose control of it, but then obviously goes off to all the different departments. Whereas at the moment it's 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 mine. I feel like it's sort of my they're my baby still. And what do you think the benefit of waiting is? I don't know. I think it just, I just want, I just like everything to settle for a bit. Mm. We've got a big new uh, website coming out this year, hopefully. So I think just settle. And also we've got so many brilliant products that every time you launch another product, it kind of takes the attention off them. And actually the other thing, I don't, you know, we've got 47 products at the moment, which, you know, ranges from, spa products beautiful lovely you know luxurious spa products all the way to the very very technical you know results driven more clinical products but i'm not a fan of big skincare routines you know so yes i can make 10 other amazing cleanses but do i really need you know the customer doesn't really need another 10 cleanses it's really confusing i'd much prefer to have a smaller 
well, I want everyone to have short, sharp routines. You know, you don't need hundreds of products. You need a few brilliant products that contain 30 actives. You know, I'm not a one active person at all. I'm not, it's not my cup of tea. I'd much prefer to have a serum that has 30 actives rather than 30 products with one with vitamin C, one with niacinamide, one with blah, blah, blah. Um, that's, that for me, that doesn't work. So I think shorter skincare mm. regime. So there's, you know, there's no need to just to carry on, keep launching products just because you can make them. I love that. I love that ethos because inherently by bringing in new, yeah, something has to sit back and you don't, the whole point is you're not trying to knock any of those other products. No. Yes, yeah, so I've got two brilliant new cleansers, you know, and I think with cleansing in particular, it's all about, obviously you've got to get, you've got to get clean your skin, we know that, but it's all about the luxury aspect of it. You know, they've got to be, I love novel textures. I love things that smell gorgeous. You know, we're not a cosmeceutical brand and I still think a cosmeceutical brand should be luxurious and delicious to use. So I've got two new cleansers, totally new textures. So we were the first to do a gel to oil, which is our Renaissance cleansing gel, which launched, what, 12 years ago. So, you know, again, a first, love that, novel texture. So I've now done some other novel textures. But again, you know, you don't need another cleanser, but I just love making new, yeah, new things. It's fun. It's brilliant. I am listening to you thinking you're not going to beat your own cleanser. That cleanser is... It's, it's extraordinary. I've got one for you here, actually. I've got your whole bag. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's extraordinary. And I say that, yeah, passionately. It's like nothing else. But I guess that is a really lovely thing to remember that this is joyful. It reminds me of making like experiments when it I was is, young. It is. And you've got, I, f- I feel you've got to be passionate about the product you make. It's not about getting another product out to make more sales or getting another, well, it's not, not for me anyway. You know, it's not... I just, that's just not how I go into making a product. Got to be passionate about each product, otherwise it's just kind of. And I guess with the waiting, anyone who's ever had to market anything, is, is it's a whole different brain space. It's a whole different bit of energy and you need to be ready to be able to be in that mode as well, I suppose. Definitely. Because I mean, I, I do like the marketing side of it, but I, you know, I love doing the making side of it. Um, and I find the marketing side of it, it's fun, but it's sort of, it's not really where my passion lies. Has there been a part of the team that you really needed that that was well outside of your skill set? Probably all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Accounting. <laughs> Actually, I love maths. I, well, I think that it's difficult. It's at, the beginning of, at the beginning of anyone's business, if, when, you know, when you start out, because we did Grow Green, we did everything. So George and I literally did everything. I did, I designed the newsletters. I wrote the newsletters. Luckily, I did, was a journalist beforehand, but... Um, you know, I'm not a creative, you know, I can't, I thought I was. Now we've got professionals in, I've realized, God, I was awful. But you know, we did everything at the beginning. The nice thing is now not having to do everything. But then the problem is you you still are, are slight control freaks mm. on every single aspect of the business. But I think that's normal. Yeah. I'm not good at letting control, and I. but I would love to completely let go. Who did I listen to? Um, Catherine Ryan, the comedian, and she said, "I people tell her she's a control freak often. She's like, no control freak wants to be a control freak. I need to meet the people who I trust enough to give the responsibility to, and then you can have it. And then you can have it. That's And I was like, that's so true. It, it's, it's not about controlling other people, but it's about allowing the trust to, to let that go. I'm interested about you and your husband. So you must, when you're running through your daily lives, you've got your three children to do the run through of each of them and then your fourth child, which is your business. It's it's quite manic. 
It's very manic. And we're not, I mean, I'm not the most organized person, I would say. You know, I'm not the best diary keeper. <laughs> but we we work really well together. We have very separate roles in the business. You know, he's he's very analytical. You know, he was a lawyer, is a lawyer. Um, he runs all the more the commercial side. I'd say, more, you know, the, I do the fun bit. Um, so we work, we do work really well together. And these sort of um, disagreements are short and sharp. How do you stop the business chat like seeping into car, family car journeys, or do, or do you, oh, do you let that be the case if it's it, it it has to be really? I mean, at the beginning we were we would speak about work all the time. That's all uh, constant, and actually then we went through a stage of not talking about work at all when we were at home, and actually that was also not brilliant. Was that a decision that you'd made to try and do that? No, I think it was not. I think we just got to the stage where, you know, we've been doing this for so, you know, we've been doing it now for 13 years together. It's a long time to spend together the whole time. And we do sit together next door to each other. We are together the whole time. So I think we just mentally had enough of talking about work and, you know, and we love our job, but it is, you know, it's tiring running your own business. It's really, really tiring. Responsibility is huge. So I think we just, both of us, Without verbalising it, we just had enough of talking mm-hmm. about it. So we didn't. And then actually, it's almost because we've had that rest, it's given us a sort of more fire in the belly. Does that make sense? And we now love talking about work together. We definitely went through a stage of not doing it enough. And because we run different sides of the business, I don't think not talking about work at home is a good thing now. No. Um, so we've got, the, we've got the balance right. I'm interested if you don't mind sharing about a bit more of your day-to-day routine. Are you one of those get up at 5am people? Or? No. <laughs> I can't, sometimes am I a morning person or a night person? I don't know. Now I go to bed so early. I used to, you know, stay up, you know, very late. I used to be a night person. It's just, now I go to bed so early. How early is early? Well, nine, 8.30 sometimes. You know, might not go to sleep. I'll then probably lie there until 11.30, desperate to go to sleep. You must have the thing where your eldest is now up, getting to the point that they're almost up later than yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's quite embarrassing. <laughs> Night then. <laughs> yeah, but I was fun once. <laughs> but now our days is that every day is completely different because, but we do have set days that we come to London, which is nice. But my average day is in the lab in Wales, which is great. Um, yeah, school run, lab, home, dogs. It's, I mean, there's a lot of travel involved and actually now everything's opened up. I mean, COVID was quite good because we it was such a routine. And because our factory stayed open the whole way through COVID, um, because we were making it um, hand sanitized the NHS right at the beginning for our local homes, etc., and we were considered an essential business, so we were open. And all the factory staff are amazing. I mean, they are amazing. They are the most dedicated, passionate. I mean, my God, they're passionate. They are phenomenal. And yeah, so. COVID was really easy because it was just a very simple routine. And now we're all open again. We're traveling again. That's now causing, you know, particularly with the children. It's like, God, well, I've got to be in Hong Kong and you've got to be in Norway. And so that's that's definitely tricky. Yeah, the logistics. The, oh, God. It's just, <laughs> and it's, I was laughing last night. I did a diary session with my husband. <laughs> it's just like, you always have to do that at the point when really you can least be bothered to do it. You know, nine o'clock can we just rattle through the diaries and it's just I feel like that's so much part of your job when oh, you get to this age isn't it so boring and then, oh but the boys have got cross country next week okay yeah right and then world book day 
Oh, it's, it's all oh. manageable, but it's it's kind of reassuring, I think, to hear you often read in these magazine articles. Oh, I've got this really strict structure. No, there's no structure at all. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, and this, I mean, my organisation at school is all. Oh, I just rely on the other parent. Like tomorrow, you've got this. Or you know, I'm not. All, I'm really not organised. I'd love to say I was, and you know, it's easy for my perfect work work life balance. Absolutely not. I don't think anyone has really. Well, I know that I'm guilty of the moment that I possibly do have any kind of balance, I then get disconcerted and add something new in. So it's just like, <laughs> just, just to throw it out on oh, purpose. I'm actually allowed to sit and relax. No, you should no, not. No, you should add something. That. Add an extra thing because the, the mind wanders, doesn't it? Okay, a couple of questions to end. Number one, if you were to have started any other brand or any other business, who, which would it be? God, this is such a difficult question. There are so many brands I admire. In my industry, I think the two brilliant, brilliant, no-nonsense, fabulous brands are Medicaid and Dermalogica. I think they're awesome. Not in our industry. Um, I'm a massive fan of really amazing hands-on, I also tailor ships, not really, but, you know, not fast fashion. You know, something that you're going to love for the next 30 years. Mm-hmm. So the deck you know, proper handmade, beautiful tailoring. I'm always I'm always wearing it in a suit. That's something you are going to cherish for the next 20 years. That, I think that is so important. Mm. None of this sort of fast fashion. So yeah, that's a fabulous brand. And maybe Pucker Tea, because they were a first as well. They they were the first to do proper herbal tea. It's a tricky one. There's so many. Yeah, there is. And often it's only when you begin to dig in. And also why, you know, could it be a really successful brand for monetary reasons? That would be nice. Yeah, or just one that would be fun. fun. Yeah, fun, really cool. Yeah, it's difficult. And and also it's very easy from the outside to envy any brand, isn't it, without knowing. What would you choose? I'm always, I always like the disruptive brands, which probably now ends up in tech, but that kind of goes against some of my values for long long term so I don't yeah it's tricky isn't it? I do think maybe Instagram but then it'd be quite nice then just to turn it off <laughs> yeah I worked for Instagram for a year for... and it was unbelievable mind yeah mind expanding business and everything that you'd want in terms of a brand who looked after you yeah but it's it's mind-bogglingly fast and growing and innovating and it's extraordinary yeah so, yeah, and now you just think, oh, maybe you'll just like to, maybe this is a sign of being in your 40s, just something very small and humble. Wholesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is just being 40. <laughs> something small. I've, as I said, I've recently moved to the coast and because of, as a result, being a seaside town, it's quite, it's quite seasonal. There's a, there's a um, gift shop called Suzanne's and in the window, Suzanne is shut from October to May. I don't know what Suzanne's doing. I like to think she's in Tenerife. So I was just like, Suzanne, you are just living. perfect. That's just a perfect. little sign. I'll be a bit reopened in May. Yes. Yeah, that would be really nice. Yeah. But alas, I probably... Sabbatical ain't. coming, maybe. <laughs> yeah. My husband keeps saying he's planning one. like, really? <laughs> Show me about me. the kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm coming too. Uh, two more questions. Number one, where can people find the brand? Um, you can find the brand online. Our sort of biggest UK retailers are places like Space NK, Cult Beauty, which I absolutely love, Naturissimo, Big Spas, Mandarin Oriental. So we work with a lot of the beautiful, wonderful, phenomenal spas around the UK. Glen Eagles, Clifton. Um, yeah, lot, lots, lots. Did you have to go and do a re- lots of research in there? Yeah, I spent a lot of time there. Very, very difficult. <laughs> 
haven't been in a spa day in a long time. Ooh, you always let out. They're all, you're always like, oh, it's a bit of a stretch. And then as soon as you're there, oh, it's absolutely money well spent, yeah. isn't it? It's just, that, it's just that switch off. Again, it's, it's, it's the self-care linked to mental health. It's so, it's so important. We can... Yeah. We can sort that out. <laughs> um, doing so a lot of fist pumps. And my my last whopper of a question, if you can have an honest conversation with one person, who would it be oh. and what would you say? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. It is a big one to end on. Do you oh. know, the all things, actually, the person I would really love to speak to again is my grandmother. Oh. Who's no longer alive. Who's no longer alive. The most amazing, amazing, amazing woman. Or actually, one of my husband's relations. I'm really going on the family route. His, um, the... Um, English patient was based on her. She was an amazing adventurer, um, pilot. Yeah, so actually her, I'd like to speak to her. I mean, how cool is that? She was an adventurer. Yeah, and to have that film made about her, quite cool. And when when did your grandmother die? When I was 21. So you hadn't started this? No, not at all. No, I was um, last year at university. So I think it would be, yeah, I'd like to speak to my grandmother. I often think neither of my grannies are still alive and I feel very connected to them quite often. And I really would also love the opportunity as an adult to speak to them because you only, I only knew them as, as a, a, a child. Yeah, and your relationship completely changed as you're an adult. Yeah. And actually I never really asked my grandmother about her, you know, her life. I don't think I really ever asked her any questions at all. Exactly that. I'd like to kind of level with them and yeah. just meet them adult to adult. Good, really good question. Yeah. Food for thought. My, I always say my favourite ever answer, an amazing girl called the Chief Shepherdess on Instagram. She, she chose to talk to a dog. Oh. I was like, you have to. Oh, you got to interview her. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. She's amazing. Ex-hairdresser. She's got beautiful hair, hasn't she? Yeah. 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 I was like, if you choose your dog, you've got to be prepared to accept that your dog might not like you. You know, your dog <laughs> might actually be like, yeah, our relationship's You're fine, right. but just give it's me a bit thing. bossy. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for Absolute a fantastic pleasure. chat. It's a really, really amazing. Thank um, you very much for having me. What an amazing brand you've created. Thank you. Well, got a lot more to come. And that's another episode wrapped. Thank you so much for listening to Meet the Founder, part of But Why podcast. It's so easy to forget the humans behind the products that fill our shelves and phones. But I love being reminded that every brand began with a person having a great idea. These chats are about more than me being nosy, although that is a big part of it. It's about remembering the reality that success isn't linear and that being a founder doesn't take one shape. Thank you so much to my guests and thank you for listening. And just one more ask, if you could please leave us a review or shout about it on social media, it makes a huge difference to the number of listens we get. And last but not least, if you do want to get in touch, and I always love hearing from you, you can email me on butwhy at clemmytelford.com or find us at butwhypodcast on Instagram. Wishing you a very excellent day and catch you next time.